Welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, star seeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. I'd love to give you an invitation to my newest program, The Inpath, an empath's course towards turning inward. My online coaching program is designed to help you heal your wounds, deepen your intuition, overcome your fears, understand your sensitivities, and connect you to the universe. It starts September 6th, Sundays at 10 a.m. CST. It's a three-month program, three weeks each month, with three one-on-one private energy coaching sessions via Zoom. A Facebook community group will be where we have our weekly resources and practices to implement and deepen your learning. For more info, go to thelovelyaliyah.com course. And don't forget to sign up to be a Patreon to get exclusive access to my solo episodes every Thursday and behind the scenes goodies and extras to come. Go to patreon.com slash to sign up. Deanne Holder and her partner Felix co-founded Urban Avatars to share the riches of what they termed mixed spiritual arts through their own unique union to inspire and unite a community of people ready to deepen the magic within themselves. Over the past 14 years, they've been blessed to attract people from all over the world to participate in their work, which draws in on their depth of studies and experiences in yoga, martial arts, shamanism, plant medicines, Western psychology, Egyptian feminine mysteries, sound and theta healing, Reiki, and other various spiritual traditions. As a priestess of the temple of the Egyptian goddess Isis, her passion is to bring women together and create spaces that heal and uplift, inspire one another in their endeavors toward a brighter, freer future, a more fulfilled life as an empowered and radiant individual. What they deliver is a down-to-earth and often deeply transformational translation through their workshops, one-on-one healing sessions, ceremonies, and art. At the core of it, all of their intention is to weave love, healing, and empowerment within their community and beyond. Please welcome Deanne to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we have Deanne Holder, and I'm so excited to bring you her because she is a fem empowerment coach. She hosts, hosts cacao ceremonies and yoni yoga, and she has a really cool um, business called Urban Avatars, where her and her husband, uh, Felix, have this divine and masculine, divine feminine, like we're going to get into all of that today. Say hey to everybody. Hey, hey. It's so good. So, so good to be here. Thank you so much, Leah, for, for inviting me in. Yeah. Of course, of course. Pleasure. The first time I heard your voice, I was just like, this woman and her vibration, what is that? Like, it's, you just have this kind of buttery tone that, that like screams feminine absolutely screams it there's this embodiment that you have that you, your aura is like and I'm super intrigued by it because on the show we do talk a lot about the divine feminine and the divine masculine that kind of thing and loads and loads and loads of women are coming forward and saying they've been having such a difficult time 
getting into their feminine because we've lived mm. in such a energetic climate where the masculine has been valued, but the feminine has been something that's been dismissed or something to be shameful about or something that was considered weak when in fact it was really strong. Um, mm -hmm. So before we really dive into that, can you tell people a little bit about your journey on becoming such a feminine embodiment woman? Yeah, I guess so. And thank you for introducing me in that way. I feel very honored. And now I'm going to have to kind of speak like, I feel like I should really emphasize my, my voice. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, my journey, wow, I think it's probably been a lifelong journey um, of really unraveling and stepping into who I feel I am at the deepest level as a woman. So I was brought up in a very traditional Caribbean immigrant family in the UK, in Birmingham. And, um, you know, the way things are is that they, they come with big dreams and big visions. Um, and my parents just wanted the best for me. And part of that intention, I feel, was that I was put into a particular school, so a really good school, you know, in inverted commas, it was, you know, a fee paying school, which was supposed to be um, one that provided the best uh, education. Um, and then I went on to a grammar school and, you know, again, it was supposed to be the best education. It probably was on some level, but what I quickly recognized was that as, a kind of loud and proud um, young black girl who had a lot to say. Those um, spaces and their traditions didn't always sit well with that expression that came through me. So I quickly became aware that I had to almost stuff who I felt like I was intrinsically down to fit into, you know, these worlds and. Um, we all know that that doesn't do our well-being any good. Yeah. Uh, and then later down the line, I when I when I got to university, so I left school, amazing grades, got to university, um, <clears throat> and still had this programming, you know, around what my value and my worth meant, and and how it was defined. And my value and my worth was defined by success. From a very patriarchal perspective and by that I mean you know it was all about how well I did at school the job that I got all those kind of things great um, so I went to university and I I worked really hard I was like okay, I'm gonna come out with the first degree that is all I'm here to do to prove myself to prove my worth and and quite early on in that journey I became ill mm. so I, I um, I was diagnosed with a autoimmune condition, which I now know is very, very common in women and particularly women of color. Mm. Um, and for me, it was a thyroid, overactive thyroid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that for me meant I lost a shit ton of weight. Excuse me for my language. No, this show you can um, curse. Sometimes. Me. Okay, cool. Loads <laughs> um, of weight. I was listening. Uh, lethargic when actually this particular condition is supposed to make you energized but for me it manifested as uh, lethargy and you know apathy mm. and I was just like this is 
crazy. And actually what I discovered was that my body was doing what I was doing to myself, which was oh. just, it was, was beating myself up mentally. So it was like, you need to do this. You need to, to achieve this. You need to X, Y, and Z to prove yourself. And so of course the body is a humble servant, right? Of the, of the mind. And so my body then started to attack itself which is what an autoimmune condition is mm. um so that was my personal perspective when i panned out and looked at everything that was happening in my life that was my perspective on this condition mm -hmm. and i know that it's hereditary and there were people in my family that had it but for me it manifested because i told my body to manifest it essentially right so that was the start of my spiritual journey my spiritual awakening because I was just like hell no <laughs> I was like I'm not gonna live like this I don't want to live like this like there's got to be a different way you know I started all these drugs and I was just like oh no um and so I I went and traveled the world and I went on a huge spiritual awakening of understanding who I was not only as an individual but also as a woman mm -hmm. and that took me to India it took me to California it took me to South America where I journeyed with shamans and teachers of different traditions and practices Egyptian Kemetic priestess lineage, and all of that yeah all yeah. a lot I did a lot basically to just explore and discover myself mm -hmm. and um, the big awakening was in my feminine my feminine had been um oppressed and suppressed in this you know patriarchal upbringing um and so what i realized quickly was that i had to reignite her i had to come to know her again um, within my being on all the different levels and to love her you know and to revere and honor that expression of what I came to know as the divine feminine within me mm. who is within every single woman right so mm -hmm. that's amazing because yeah. I think like depending on I mean, right now, everybody's talking about divine feminine and moving into that or whatever, but I hadn't really seen it in the mainstream before a couple of years ago. So in your journey, when, when did you kind of like arrive at that? So this was like 15 years ago. Wow. And I, um, I guess it was probably through the work that I did, um, the priestess work that I did in in California mm -hmm. um working in the temple of Isis mm -hmm. where I really started to connect to um the shakti the feminine life force energy and principle that runs within everything you know mm -hmm. um and I felt it you know, I felt her in my body. Mm. And for me, that embodiment and embodiment in general is, is, is really the key to, to uh, waking up to the truth of who we are. It starts with feeling in the body, you know, this mm -hmm. temple. Um, and so, yeah, I think what's happening is that there's, the, there's a collective uprising because she herself as an entity, as a, as a force, as an energy, is rising you know on the planet universally she's always been there of course but now what we're seeing is this 
imbalance and we've seen it for the last 5,000 years, right? And yeah. so ultimately, like everything is urged towards homeostasis, towards balance, we're having to redress that imbalance, right? So bringing, so the, the, the feminine is naturally rising again to the surface to be expressed, um, to heal the shit, basically, that's happening, right? <laughs> It's hugely important. I was talking on my stories a few weeks ago. Um, everybody had seemed to have this very uh, crazy cycle um, a few weeks back with the lunar eclipse that happened and all the planets being in the planet parade. And so there were tons of women. I was like, hey, you guys notice something? Like, is everybody late? Or like they were having extreme amounts of pain? Or there was, there was just a lot of stuff happening within the cycle. And I was like, I had this channeling or this download that was saying that this, this was really the shift, the massive shift back into the feminine. And those women who were trying to tune into their bodies, it was like getting their attention even more. It was like, okay, we're shifting into this feminine. So you can start paying attention to your cycle, paying attention to the gift that it is, gift that you are, um, all of those feminine aspects. And I found it to be I found it to be really interesting because even my friends who are not into any of this stuff were like, shit, yo, my period was late. Like, <laughs> and I was like, making this up. like there's stuff going on, but I want to go back yeah. to what you said about your priestess training, because, um, I work mm -hmm. a lot with ISIS. Um, maybe you can tell our audience mm -hmm. who ISIS is and, uh, what she represents as far as the, the feminine goes. Yeah. Oh. So in the kind of Kemetic lineage, so Isis Kemetic is the original name of the Egyptians. Okay, so um, Isis is a figure. Some call her a goddess. Um, to me, she is a figure that represents the feminine in all of her aspects so the mother the lover the the nurturer the warrior you know who found the pieces of her husband's dismembered body and brought them back together you know she for me embodies the feminine in her totality mm -hmm. and um, being a priestess of her simply means that i commit to working um, for all that she re represents, I commit to living my life um, in ways that she um, embodies as a figure, you know, as an iconic figure. So some people believe that she was a real being that existed on this planet at some point in time. And some people believe that she is representative of an archetype, an archetypal energy of the feminine. She who is in her totality, like the wise queen, yeah? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I've been on a journey with her, actually. I remember when I first um, started working with her, I had all these signs that I wasn't quite ready, but I hadn't fully been initiated. So, you know, I got the, like, the serpent ring and then I lost the serpent ring about three times I replaced it and then I got her you know her little um statue and like I broke it in half you know there are all these signs that like yeah you're cool you're like you're, you're kind of doing the work but you, you're not fully initiated into into her kind mm -hmm. of um I guess 
I guess, um, uh, priestesshood, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's ongoing and every day for me is, is, a, is a commitment to, to working in her honor. Lovely. So you have, because like your whole thing is, is the feminine. Like I look through like a bunch of your posts and I'm like, look at this woman. She is just in every aspect of that. I mean, you're essentially describing what you just, just described about ISIS is what you've been doing embodying that. Um, so I even like looked on your stories and saw that you had a black cat and like, which I thought was really cute. Um, and very feminine, if you will. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about like your, I mean, cause you have this purpose of like going through and wanting to heal other women and help them learn how to, to get back into their feminine. So like, what does that look like practically for, if this is the first show that someone's listening to, what is the difference between the masculine and feminine and how are ways in which women can get back in touch with that part of themselves? Mm, yes. So for me, first of all, I just want to say that I honor both the masculine and the feminine as crucial components of who we are as beings. Right. Um, because of what's happening on the planet right now and what has happened for the last 5,000 years, there has been a need for us as women to connect, reconnect with the feminine because it's been venerated, right? It's been yeah. oppressed, oppressed within us. Um, and yet we need to... Um, identify and access some of the qualities of the masculine to get shit done mm -hmm. so for me the feminine is about compassion deep listening embodiment creativity it's this outward reaching kind of flow of energy it's equity you know it's um as opposed to this upward you know um flow of energy which is quite often um, embodied in the masculine you just have to look at the, the phallus you know mm -hmm. it's this, this upward energy rises upward um, and so the masculine then is is more of the kind of logical um, and again there's a distinction between what is healthy and what isn't so there's the healthy masculine and then there's like the hyper masculine and there's the healthy feminine and then there's like the unhealthy feminine right so the work that I I do is, is with honouring what I perceive to be healthy, what I understand to be reconnecting us to the illuminated as opposed to the shadow aspects mm. of those those um, polarities. Yeah. So um, practically, the the key piece for me is embodiment. So as women, we have learned in many ways to divorce ourselves from our bodies. Mm -hmm. um because our bodies hold so much power so many gifts in our cycle and even if we're beyond uh, our menstrual cycle we've transcended that and we're now into our you know our wise queen elder phase we still have access to these gifts at each phase of our monthly cycle and the cycle across our lifetime mm -hmm. so practically what my work looks like is connecting in to those gifts through the body and so we do all kinds of movement embodiment practices we do work with the mindset work with the heart set we have conversations with our womb space and we understand her as a navigator as an oracle as a wisdom keeper mm -hmm. and how we can um, live our lives 
in alignment with rather than in resistance to ourselves, which is what we've been taught to do. Yeah. To live in resistance mm-hmm. to what feels conducive to us flowing with grace and ease. So that what it might look like, you know, you're bleeding, you've still got to work your nine to five, there's no leeway, you still have to show up, you know. And that's not to say that we can't and we do, essentially yeah. we do. But it's just to honor the fact that, okay, when I'm bleeding, I'm in the winter of my season, right? And so I might not have as much energy. I might not want to connect with as many people. So how can I honor that? Yeah, I still got to go to work because that's what I'm choosing to do. But can I not commit to taking on so much? Can I give myself more time and space when I get home? You know, it's all these ways that we can make our lives much more nurturing for ourselves as women. And from there, we become way more productive, if that's what we're looking for. We become way more content. We we love ourselves much more deeply when we can create this framework for ourselves, which is in alignment to our deepest essence and our deepest nature. I wish you guys could see her as she's talking because she's kind of dancing. (laughs) You move so much and like your true form of embodiment and what that looks like, um, which is, which is great because I think like when we think of embodiment, it seems like this elusive term and essentially it's just, it's, you know, get in the body, honor the body. I find that for myself, uh, I have a great difficulty in trying to contact and access that part of myself. Not always, but uh, especially during this year, it's been a lot better just because we've had to be a little bit slower and take mm. care of ourselves a bit more mm. um, as things have shut down and like things are, are, are shifting and changing structure. Um, but most of my life, I mean, I have some autoimmune issues as well, for sure. Mm. Um, PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, the whole bit, which are all mm. feminine issues. So it can, it's yeah. very reflective of like a whole year of overachieving or year, a whole life of overachieving and putting that energy towards that. Um, I like, I love that you said honoring both because we have masculine and feminine. We both have like, and we have to honor both. We have to use both. But I think that it's important to also say that men are having and starting to open up into their feminine now. And at least what I'm seeing, there's some guys that I've had on this show who have just, I mean, really broken the mold and been some of the first pioneers that are coming out and hang and telling men like, Hey, you can access this part of yourself too. You can have intuition. You can have feelings, God forbid, you know, <laughs> like allowing them to express <laughs> the fullness of themselves so that yeah. way they can also lean into balance. So I just want to make sure that our male listeners, if you're still listening, <laughs> that you understand that this is for all of us to get into balance. This is for everyone, not just the feminine. It's just that for the last 5,000 years, like you said, um, we haven't had access to that part of ourselves. And we've, we've, spent our lives trying to be men and not honoring the part of ourselves is actually I I say stronger (laughs) um it's 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 a an allowance a bringing in an attraction like you said like the phallus is very direct and upward and straight um where the feminine is to receive it's open it's nurturing it's welcoming it's to to bring something in so to me that that really really um sparks into like women's freedom um, to like lean into their gifts. So can you speak a little bit about like intuition or, um, how the many gifts that come with real in that feminine side? Mm, Yes. So (laughs) I think one of the biggest and underused gifts that we have as 
um, embodiments of the feminine is, is our intuition. It's this deep inner knowing, deep inner knowing. And that really comes from our intrinsic connection to nature through our cycles. And again, this is even if you don't experience a bleed, you're still experiencing moving through season to season in your cycle. So we have this direct internal experience of nature within us. And when we're connected to that and to the external nature, you know, the nature outside of ourselves, we have, it's like we're plugged in to cosmic universal wisdom. Mm. We're connected to that. And that to me is the, the channels through which this deep inner knowing, this wisdom comes through. Mm-hmm. And it's most potent actually in most of the women that I've worked with in my understanding, it's most potent when we are premenstrual, pre in our premenstrual, so just before we bleed, mm-hmm. and when we bleed, and then in the the postmenopausal stage of our life where we have access to all of the wisdom of the of the cycle. Mm-hmm. So um, again, embodiment feeling trusting and we feel it and we know how many times the women say i knew that would happen and i didn't yeah. trust my intuition you know and men men say this too but if anything they trust it more because yeah. <laughs> they're programmed to trust it yeah. right yeah. whereas we're programmed not to trust yeah. it so part of the work and the unraveling and the unfolding into becoming more of ourselves as women is learning to trust those feelings mm-hmm. it shows up as a feeling you know we are created we, by design we're feelers we feel energy we walk into a room we know which people we want to interact with and which people we don't right now we just know we feel energy because we receive it yeah. right yeah. so it's about trusting what that that energy the sense that we get Mm -hmm. and not second guessing ourselves or questioning ourselves when we feel those hunches and sometimes hands you know hands up that what we perceive to be intuitive can actually just be an emotional response to something and so we learn some mistakes with it as well but we've got to start trusting it to be able to identify okay this is what it really feels like when I'm, when I'm deeply connected to my intuition. And this actually is just when I'm triggered and responding yeah. to an experience that I might have had in the past, right? Yeah. So it's like you learn, you learn what the, um, the kind of barometer is, like the, the, um, the yardstick, I guess, for your, yeah. your intuition. You, know? you feel what that is. Okay, this is my, this is my intu- intuitive feeling. I know what it feels like. It's in my gut here, and this is kind of pulsing. It makes me feel a little bit angry or whatever. You know? you know what it is, and this is all about this is the intuitive intelligence of the body. So when I talk about body wisdom, this is what I mean. It's, it's, it's honouring the messages that come through our body as physical sensations. I, that's the first time I've heard anybody say it like that body wisdom, because I've told people and a lot of the, my clients that I coach, where we talk about the difference between intuition and anxiety, 
um, because a lot of times we'll feed that our fears and say, that's my intuition. I think I know this, but rather we're feeding from this emotional trigger um, and learning the difference with that yardstick, but body wisdom, there was something the other day. I don't even, I'm going to, I'm going to forget what it is, but I was in the house and I was walking around and I felt inside um, something very, very particular about someone that I know. And like, they hadn't called me, they hadn't said anything or whatever. And I was like, I was analyzing that. How did I receive that? That wasn't clear audience. Cause I am clear audience. So I do hear things from my guides and stuff. Um, I didn't see anything. I'm, I'm clairvoyant as well, but it was the sentience, right? Clairsentience, but it was deeper than that. There was this guttural and it came from my stomach, like solar plexus, sacral area. And I was like, I just know that this is da 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 da. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to out this person right now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was just this knowing. There was just mm-hmm. this knowing, and I remember thinking to myself, "How would I explain how I knew that? I can't." Mm-hmm. Like the the only thing is, is exactly what you said, body wisdom. That my body told me something, and I know that. Like, I mean, any of us who've ever dated, our body tells us stuff all the time. Like, this ain't right, you know. Like, there's just this this aspect of that that we don't trust. And we, we've told ourselves like, I mean, um, deeper than that, like women in general just have a hard time with our bodies, the way that we perceive them. We're always told we need to take up less space. You need to be smaller. You need to be thinner. You need to be younger, you need whatever. And so we don't trust our, our our body as a unit anyway, because it doesn't fulfill whatever measure that the society says that we need to fill. So we have this disdain towards ourselves already. And then right. we get into like knowledge of the things that, that we're supposed to do or um, ways in which our life is supposed to proceed or decisions or anything like that. We don't trust it because we haven't trusted actually the physical manifestation of this unit anyway. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's deep. And then so, you know, the big piece really, and it's banded around quite a lot now, but it's true. It's self-love. It's learning to unravel all of those stories that we've been told or we been telling ourselves about who we are um, and learning to adore ourselves not in an egocentric way but literally just to be like you know what I have value mm-hmm. and I have worth beyond what anybody thinks of me or beyond what I'm told yeah and it's really up to me to state the claim on who I am and who yeah. I want to be and how I think about myself. No one can, <laughs> I mean, people can get into our heads, but we kind of give them permission to on some level. And I know that's really hard when we start thinking about childhood and, you know, upbringing. And um, it's, in, in that case, you know, it's, that's quite a nuanced um, mm-hmm. perspective. You know, obviously we are also, um, impacted by our environment and how we're brought up but there's a time in our life when we become aware of our programs we just do most people who have you know fully functioning cognitive capacity we become aware of like what's going on inside of us and at that point it really is our responsibility to own it first of all and to say cool right now it might have been that person telling me xyz that is responsible for me to feeling like this, but right now it's in me. And so I have to take full responsibility to turn that around if it's not serving me, right? So, um, you know, self-love is 
really for me it's about embodying and embracing all of us mm. the good the bad the ugly you know it's about embodying and embracing every single aspect of the feminine so the maiden and the mother who are the most revered archetypes in our society because they give to the patriarchy mm. they're, they're palatable right for the patriarchy the maiden who is all kind of fun and creative and sexy and young and you know and then the mother who gives to herself often to the point of exhaustion and depletion so those two are revered by our society and so most women try to only live that part those parts of themselves mm -hmm. and it's very subconscious but yeah. there are other aspects and archetypes of who we are as women as the wild woman and she's just like I do whatever I effing want. I'm connected to nature, you know. I if I want to holler and I want to scream and I want to, you know, punch something, I'm going to do that. If I want to run naked in a field, I'm going to do that. You know, I let nature run through my bones. I'm unpredictable, mm -hmm. and I'm not. I can't be fit into a box. Mm -hmm. And so there's her, and then there's the the kind of what I call the, the wise queen, you know, the elder who has transcended the cycle. And she is, you know, in her healthy, in, in illuminated queen, she's very like anchored to the truth and to her deepest wisdom. And again, those two aspects are the least celebrated in yeah. our society because they're the least palatable. It's kind of like, I don't know what to do with you, wild woman. Like, you're too much. I can't control you. And then the wise queen is like, you scare me. Your wisdom and your grace and your depth of connection scares me mm -hmm. so let's forget about you two but let's celebrate the maiden and the mother yay so most women go through life clinging on to those two aspects particularly the maiden because mm -hmm. she's the most celebrated in our culture so self-love for women is really about honoring and embracing all of those archetypes which we experience across the month and we experience across our lifetimes many different times you know it's about really embracing and honoring all of who we are mm. even yeah. when we're angry even when we're you know bitching and that's not to say that we bypass when we're acting out of alignment but it is to say that i'm not going to terrorize myself i'm not going to diminish my power i'm not going to make myself small by attacking myself, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so um, self-care is important. Self-care is, is, is a step towards self-love. I think sometimes self-care, how it's presented in the mainstream and in the media is, is okay, but I think sometimes it's missing the point. So yeah. self-care for me feels like it's the superficial layer that connects us a little bit deeper to who we are and offers us a little bit more reverence for ourselves. But it's not the same as self-love mm -hmm. because self-care can be going and getting your nails done and feeling really good until your nails get chipped. And then what happens? How do you feel about yourself then? Mm, yeah. Or getting a blowout and then it rains. Do you yeah. still feel like you're honoring yourself and you love yourself, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's an access point, self-care from the way that it's presented in our, in our kind of in the current zeitgeist. It's an access point into um, self-love. 
but we don't need to have rose baths, you know? Mm, yeah. have, like, <laughs> I saw this amazing gift the other day. And it was, um, it was this beautiful black woman in a bath and she had this really awkward expression on her face and she was holding this rose and, it, and she had this kind of like fake smile and she was going, I'm living my best life, I'm living my best life, I'm living my best life. And she's in this bath with roses and holding this rose and it's that, it's just that, you know, that sense of like, okay, it's cool, that's an access point, but it's not the whole it's not story. the whole thing. You've got to love yourself even when you're pissed off at yourself. Mm-hmm. you got to love yourself even when somebody calls you out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. How, 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 how can I build that as a foundation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's really funny that you said that because, yeah, people are like, self-care and like, which rituals are important. And we, we just did an episode about rituals yeah. and baths and things like that, which I'm obsessed with. But like at the end of the day, like you said, if you don't love yourself, like if you haven't gotten to that, that base guttural level of accepting every aspect of yourself, then it is just kind of like frosting. Like the cake isn't very good, but the frosting is there and you're like, it looks pretty. And it kind of like, kind of tastes good. The whole thing as a whole isn't very good. You have to have good ingredients at the base of it. Um, I love a good analogy. So, (laughs) Um, so, thank you. Um, So for yourself, like embodying all those archetypes. Now you have um, a partnership uh, of what, 13, 14 years or something? 15 years. 15 yeah. years um, yeah. that you've been with your partner. And um, you guys have a, a company called Urban Avatar. Avatar, yes. yes. And so it's kind of the, the masculine, divine masculine, divine feminine. So what does that look like to embody all those archetypes within partnership? Mm-hmm. Getting into the juice now. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a journey. It's a journey because, and I'm fortunate and I'm blessed to be with somebody who has pretty much always um, honored my journey and supported it. That's not to say that he hasn't had challenges with it. Um, In partnership, the way that all of that looks is he knows when it's good to get close to D and and hang out and and <laughs> you know and like this is D in her summer and she's like ready for me and she can handle everything that I'm bringing and then there's the D who's like okay she needs space yeah and when when I'm in my my winter or my premenstruum it's like he knows that that is when I need space of what that might look like in the relationship is I mean in very rarely it looks like me taking three days off and going away somewhere and spending that time with myself. Um, it looks sometimes like having the bed to myself. Mm. It looks sometimes like, um, you know, not having as much intimate relations, you know, and, and him honoring that and being okay with that. Um, so it can be as simple as literally having a chart, like a calendar, mm-hmm. and marking it out for your partner, you know, um, that's a male or a female, it's like you mark it out and you say, look, this is when I'm in my, my, in my summer, which is my ovulation, and I've got all this energy potentially to give, and I want to help people, and I want to serve, and this is when I'm in my winter, and I just want to hibernate and, and, and be introverted and go in perhaps you know um so 
communicate being able to communicate that and for partners to be able to understand a woman's flow to understand the seasons and the cycles of the woman's and also men have them as well you know they're aligned to the moon you know and um it's really funny because when i first started this journey and understanding the seasons and cycles my partner felix was like yeah yeah i feel those too you know and and he jokes like that he's on his moon and all this kind of stuff you know um but it's um yeah it's honoring that 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 men have those too but obviously they don't have the same um palpable physical experience of it Mm -hmm. like women do that same intrinsic connection to the season and the cycles outside of ourselves yeah um so you know navigating a relationship it does take emotional intelligence and maturity to be able to a communicate to your partner the the needs that you have but also for your partner to receive and honor that you know and honor that boundaries sometimes need to be loving boundaries need to be put in place for a woman to feel in her fullness i think if women embraced those seasons more like we would we would be able to reflect and communicate to our partners better what our needs are for sure because sure. I think we don't even sometimes understand what cycle we're in and what we're feeling and feeling like we always have to kind of be even kill. I had someone on the show named Lauren Crenn who talked about um, the feminine is like an ocean and sometimes the wind blows harder and sometimes it blows faster and there are big waves and then there are small ones and there's such a depth that you can't even see to the bottom of where <laughs> what it is while men are like mountains. And so like, and it's still and steady and it's for the wave to crash on top of it or onto it. And I loved that visual at Mm. least to kind of understand that because we've given, Mm. given so much shit for having emotionality, like a woman can be president because she'll be on her period and press the war zone button. I've heard that a lot. And I'm like, are you kidding? The, the, Mm. the societies that are thriving are, are, are women led and so, and they're not going to war mm. often, most often they're the most compassionate. So, mm. um, not to put men under the bus, mm. but you know, so there is just mm. this kind of like embracing that part of ourselves. If we are more in tune to that, then we will attract and or project more of that type of energy outwardly that to, to help people understand what it is that we're at instead of dismissing ourselves. We wonder why men dismiss us in those time periods, but it's because we also dismiss ourselves. Ooh, absolutely. And this is why I, I, you know, I feel and try to communicate time and time again. It's like, we cannot wait for men to change their perspective or the patriarchy to change its perspective on us. It just isn't going to happen. Yeah. We have to anchor in and embody what it is that we want to receive. Right. So, um, we have to do the work we just have to and it doesn't have to be traumatic you know we can play with this we can have fun with this you know it's just about having a foundation of courage which comes actually from female containers so having a good circle of women around you this is how again we're intrinsically designed to thrive is in groups as women and we can go on a whole journey talking about what's happened to the, you know, to, to all of that um, over the last 5,000 years. But again, we are most powerful together. Yeah. And this is why there is 
so many kind of women's circles popping up everywhere and yeah. you know particularly in the west i mean in other parts of the world women's circles are just the thing it's just yeah it was normal life, right yeah now yeah. we're all like yeah we need to organize a women's circle it's gonna be like this time on this day once a month and you know it's just very but it has to be right it's, it's contrived because we're learning again we're remembering mm -hmm. the circle yeah we're remembering what it means to be to embody cyclical living and then also to hold cyclical containers mm -hmm. in our communities and so um if you for a lot of women they come to deepen into themselves through women's circles you know through mm -hmm. feeling held in that space by the women and hearing stories and being able to communicate their own stories and <clears throat> that was always a one of the main reasons why i started women's circles probably like 12 13 years ago mm -hmm. because i felt this real need for us to so i started out teaching yoga that's my that was the start of my um work with women is teaching yoga specifically to women mm -hmm. um and then from there that evolved into circles because i felt like wow we always have so much to say at the end of these classes and you know we wanted to share so that evolved into circles um yeah uh, they're powerful they are transformational yeah you know why do you Why think that it's taken us so long to get to a place where we access that? Because up until now, I think we've been relatively comfortable and taught to be um, thankful <laughs> for the opportunities that we have within the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So the progression from having no rights at all in anything to where we are now feels really progressive you know it feels like we well, should you should be happy with where you are and i think there's a programming deep in our bones that still says we're not worthy really of of being more of being more of ourselves of being equal mm -hmm. so i think it's taken so long because women are also as part of that we're afraid of each other i yeah. think there's a level of um fear that still exists that you can track back to, you know, the witch hunts or whatever, yeah. um, where we were forced to call each other out, where we were forced to betray each other. Mm -hmm. So there's a level of fear. And women have openly said, like, when they've come to my circles, I was really nervous about coming. I've never sat in a space with just women. Yeah. It makes me feel anxious. Yeah. And I'm like, can you I imagine? That my heart just is like, yeah when we know that that is us in our power yeah and that is where we have the most impact because together we we create this this resonance that ripples out you only have to spend like a week with women and you're all synced up you know in your cycle and that's the power of us coming together it's like we create this collective energy of the feminine that then ripples out and has a huge impact on our family life our communities and so i think there's 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 been a lot of resistance and fear. There's also the piece around safety um, when it comes to women of color and white women being in the same space. Mm -hmm. Let's so talk what, about that. You want to go into that? Let's okay. Into so that. What I've, yeah, what I've noticed um, in my work, so I live in a very... I mean, I would say it's ethnically quite diverse, but really in the UK, I think it's still like 10% mm -hmm. 
are mm. people of ethnic minority and the rest are, are white people. So um, even though where I live is, is quite ethnic diverse, uh, the circles that I held to begin with, I noticed were all, all white women, yeah. even three women of colour space holders at times, you know, yeah. it was pretty much all white women. Um, and that's, I think, to do with a number of reasons, the demographic of the, the locale. Um, it's also to do with, I think, women of colour. There's a socioeconomic thing mm -hmm. as well, um, element. And then there's also this sense of safety that i just mentioned yeah. some women of color just don't necessarily feel safe opening up in spaces uh with white women um, can you unpack that because i know a lot of my listeners are white mm. and um and we did talk like a little bit when all this stuff that was going down a few weeks back where it was definitely more prevalent about uh, black lives matter it's been going on this whole time guys um but you just might have noticed it a few weeks back when all this stuff went down um can you unpack that? Because as far as safety goes, we do talk often about how we can express our feelings with men and how often we don't feel safe sometimes or that there's not space for us to really truly express our emotions or things like that. Um, but when women, woman to woman, why is it that there is a difference for black women versus white women? Not versus, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's just an historical um, hierarchy that's being created um, that potentially has led to, I mean, has led to um, mistrust both ways. Mm -hmm. um, I had an amazing, I mean, we're going to go quite, quite deep here. Let's do it. Are you ready? Yep. Uh, I had an amazing massage healing the other day with a black woman who's just so deeply connected to just everything and I had a lot of ancestral awakening and that kind of thing in this massage but actually I was talking to her and she has a lot of white clients and we were talking about this how we both hold space and and why we think that is and one of the things that came up around the dynamic between that can sometimes be and again I'm generalizing here because I know it's not true for all black and white women. There's not this one dynamic that exists. For me, I know that's not the case. So yeah. um, there is a really deep, raw experience that we've had with one another that goes back to the days of slavery and colonialism and this understanding that actually white women were domesticated first by the patriarchy mm -hmm. in their homes right so they had all of this oppression landed on them way before white people came to africa and mm -hmm. colonized or different parts of the world so there's that experience that white women are carrying in their bodies as well of oppression mm -hmm. from the patriarchy okay then in comes colonization slavery where black women were 
and some people would argue, are still seen as at the bottom of the food chain, right, of the hierarchy. They were compared with that, like they were animals, they weren't even human, right? And yet, some of those white colonists were sleeping with these women who were compared with animals, Mm -hmm. not even human. These white men who were married to white women. So these white women were seeing their husbands having, raping, whatever you want to call it, relations with women that were considered inhuman animals, Mm -hmm. beings that were, right? Yeah. So... (laughs) I mean, even talking about it, it's, it's just, it, you know, it brings up so much. It, it's, so that is a layer of um, experiential wounding for both black women and white women. So then it was flipped. The other, so then it was like, you know, the, the, the black women were servants of the white, of the white women, you know, in this, yeah. in this particular history that I'm referring to. And so there's always been this dynamic, this, this, um very unhealthy dynamic which might still be present in people's sphere of consciousness you know Um, because it wasn't that long ago Mm -hmm. and it's still kind of going on (laughs) on some level right um that hierarchy and so even where women really want to connect with and love women outside of their own race there can sometimes be a block a subconscious block mm-hmm. that is fear-based that stops us from really wanting to step into that place mm-hmm. with and outside of our own race yeah and actually um i've spoken on race a little bit during this time but not a lot mm-hmm. um and one of the reasons actually is because what I feel is most important in all of this is that we're all doing the work. Right. So for me, it's like the iceberg. So 20% of it is above the surface and 80% is below. So the 20% is like the external activism, you know, the going out there and trying to change the system. But the 80% is like healing mm-hmm. other funk itself, right? It's yeah. like it's like coming home to yourself because I don't think anything will change until we learn to love ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that we need to do as black people is to learn, is to unravel all of the history and the story, relearn, rewire, and to come home to ourselves and to really deeply love who we are. Mm-hmm. really 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 because we cannot wait or expect things outside of us to change before we do that right. we just can't it's just not how it's going to work right just like we're trying to shift the balance in terms of the the, the hyper masculine you know yeah. we can't wait for the patriarchy yeah. to decide oh you know what you guys you're right we have been treating you really badly we have been benefiting from your oppression we're so sorry let's change this up. it's just <laughs> it not gonna happen like that right? <laughs> yeah so so we really we, and, and so 
what that can look like is, you know, for me, a reparation is like, okay, if you're going to give money, if you're going to put it into resources that support people to heal and support people to um, come to know themselves and support people to develop and unfold and expand in ways that they haven't had access to before, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think that's yeah. important to note because there is like, so obviously like location, right? If you decided to go to a yoga class out in the middle of Utah, like you're probably not going to see a lot of black people and that's okay. Cause that there's no population there to fulfill that need. Um, but if you're living in a diverse space, I got asked to be on a container um, to speak about, um, you know, diversity in the wellness space. And the first thing I asked about this particular container was, do you have diverse members uh, represented, not just talking about diversity? Because oftentimes I find, even when I I used to work as an admissions counselor, like back, way back when, my very first job. And and I was always the person that had to speak on diversity. Mind you, I was 21, maybe, 22, just straight out of college. And I'm having to speak to all these adults about diversity. And I'm thinking like, y'all are like, 40 and 50 years old. Why is this small, young 20 something year old telling you guys about this? But I found that there was a lot of, it felt like tokenism because it was like, oh, here's our diversity leader. Here's the only diverse person in our entire school to talk to you about diversity. And while I understand why they decided to do that, I feel like that happens in the wellness space as well. Um, where it's like, okay, let's have this person talk to you about what this is and me try to bring some understanding to it. But then in the whole container as a structure of an event, they don't have any diversity. And I'm like, why do you want me to sit here and talk to these people about diversity when you yourself organizing it? Not this particular person. She did it. But anyway, it's very interesting because I don't know how many times I've decided or declined to go to something because I knew that I'd be the only black person there. And so feeling mm. that feeling, trying to unpack what that very feels common. like, it's very common. So not only is it that like, I mean, socioeconomically, I could afford to go, but I just didn't want to because for me, emotionally, it didn't feel safe. And just to yeah. kind of like break it down for you guys listening, because like this we're at the at the core of this, we're talking about self-love and wanting to connect to other people in ways that feel loving and compassionate and you feel like you're included. Um, it's just that so many times as a person of color in my own experience and your experience probably too, that we've gotten looks when we show up places like, what are you doing here? Or feeling like that there's something external, some people coming up to me, wow, your hair is really fun. It's like, you know, just (laughs) different, you know, and while it may be a compliment, it doesn't, Mm. it's like, I'm coming here to do wellness stuff. Like, I don't want to have to talk about my hair. I don't yeah. have to talk about this. Like I'm, I want to just be essentially normal in this space so yeah. I can heal. And if I'm having to deal with comments and looks and also not feeling like I can really connect to anybody, it makes it harder to do that process. Yeah. Now I've gotten yeah. over that years and years and years of doing it. Like I'm, I'm now I can, I can get in there just fine. No problem. But for yeah. other people who are new to that, they might feel discomfort and yeah. be able to, to, to explore and or, expand even in those spaces totally. and that's very i mean that's prevalent here in the uk as well and i know there are differences actually in, in not vast differences in the uk but i know that generally i'm pretty sure that there's there's more integration here i mean america's like what 50 times bigger i don't even know how much bigger it is but um you know london for example is a very 
multicultural diversity mm -hmm. as is new york and and you know san francisco but it's you don't necessarily have these pockets of races it's different my, yeah different. i yeah. lived in london for a year almost and like i remember feeling like wow this is this is a vibe like, <laughs> <laughs> like i mean they still had some separation for sure yeah, but like, it wasn't yeah, yeah. The same. yeah and so i think that's one big um campaign at the moment actually in in the london wellness scene in the uk wellness scene is tackling the colonization of wellness mm. and um and that extends as far as looking at the yogic system mm -hmm. and how that's been appropriated yeah. but not even like in modern times like from like hundreds of years ago so i work with teachers who are looking at like the original yoga in inverted commas and then all the iterations that have come since then which have placed in a very patriarchal mm -hmm. container mm -hmm. Even five, six, seven, eight, thousand, you know, seven, five thousand years ago, four thousand years ago, you know, yeah. what is taught now, for example, I'm just giving yoga as an example because it is, I guess, it's the access point for a lot of people's spirituality, yeah. spiritual kind of awakening, whatever you want to call it. But yoga, what many people don't realize is that the yoga that they're learning right now is yoga that is designed for the pre-pubescent and pubescent male, and it is yoga that has been developed by men for that body it wow. is specifically to, to sublimate is that the right word it's the kind of, um reduce the sexual um, ex, um excitation yeah. of prepubescent and pubescent boys and people really realize that that is what they're practicing and so it is not designed for the female body. In fact, it can be harmful for the female what? body. I you know, when have you ever been to a class, a yoga class, where the teacher has said to you, okay, guys, if you're on your bleed, you do this. If you're in your, if you're feeling full of energy and you're on, you guys do this. If you're premenstrual, you guys do this. Every single class I've ever been to, other than the classes which you know, are kind of yoni yoga focused, are generic. And yeah, there's a few adaptations here and there, but actually what they're teaching are things that can potentially be harmful to the female mm. body, particularly the pelvis. So there's a lot of kind of instructions that are given to men and women alike in a yoga class about the alignment of the pelvis, lots of tucking the tailbone under, for example, mm -hmm. which isn't healthy for a woman's anatomy. Mm. Because the pelvic organs are then not supported by the pelvic floor and that lovely um, foundation. A woman's pelvis should naturally be tilted. Yeah. It has this anterior tilt, so the bum kind of sticks out. How many times are we taught, told to, to tuck that in? in? Yeah. Right? So that's not, it's not healthy for the, you know, you can meet all kinds of prolapse and issues with the, with the female anatomy right and um as a result yeah. to go back to like what you said is this is a result of people going in and appropriating something and using it generically and not customizing that for the experience of of the woman exactly um, so all the experiences yeah. sorry in addition to uh cultivating experiences also for different groups people groups 
because we all can't step into the same thing and speak the same language when we've all had different experiences. Exactly, right? So a lot of the physiological challenges that women have, whether it's PCOS, fibromyalgia, I always struggle to say that one, um, endometriosis, mm -hmm. There are certain practices that are taught in this modern yoga scene that you just shouldn't do because they're heat building. So there's already a lot of heat in the womb space that's creating these extra friends that some women have. And the practices that they're told to do are actually making it worse. Wow. So um, having this awareness is really, really important. It's one of the reasons why I got into womb yoga, yoni yoga, is because I recognized quickly on that um, the way that my body wanted to move intuitively just didn't align sometimes with what I was being taught in the class, you know, like aligning my front foot with my back foot in warrior, just my hips just felt all like, ooh, and then when I stepped out to the side, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, this feels good, this yeah. feels juicy, this feels better but then I had teachers telling me no you need to have your heel aligned with the back and it was just all these rules you know that didn't feel um healthy in my body yeah so my practice then for teaching women became much more about tuning in how does this feel for you in this moment in time yes honoring that there are technologies ancient technologies and systems that can benefit us and ultimately, the real education has to come from within. And that is what body wisdom is all about. Body wisdom. There we are. That word again. I love that. <laughs> um, just to kind of recap, like, wow, like we really did go deeply into the feminine and what embodiment looks like for us to be able to stop dismissing ourselves and really get into a space of self-love and connection and safety and, and being aware of what that looks like. Um, you know, obviously towards the end, even talking about women of color in the wellness space and even just how safety is super important for us, um, not just to feel included, but to also to be able to get in our feminine because that's a, a form of surrender and not having that, that guard up and protection and that kind of thing. So um, sisterhood being such a huge wound that a lot of us are kind of uh, dealing with um, just, you know, to be able to connect with one another and not feel that sense of, you know, I, I've heard women say, I don't want to have girls, girls are hard and, you know, this and that. Yeah. And I'm like, we were like the, mm -hmm. like I'm a, in a fairly large family um, where the girls have always been the easiest. Like they've, they've been the most, you know, compliant or, you know, whatever for our parents needs, but like, or women that say, you know, I don't have female friends or I don't fuck with females or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, wow, this it's is really such a like, shame. And it's such a cool wound. It is. I mean, it's, it's also self-hate, right? Mm. It's like, um, you know, a black person say they don't like black people, a white person, mm. say they don't like white people, you know, like it is a form of disowning parts of ourself. And I love what you mm. touched on earlier where you're talking about loving all parts of ourselves and allowing all parts of ourselves to be able to shine in their season, whatever that may look like. That can look like a woman, that can look like a woman of color, that can look like a man, that can look like a bird. You know, like being able to, you know, a bird doesn't question the way that its wings fly and like get on the scale and say, oh man, my belly's really, you know, fat today. Like yeah. it, it just does what it does. At least we don't know that yet, right? Um, we don't know the inner heads of birds, but there's this ideal that like we are, I love you said on one of your Instagram lives that you are, um, 
correct me on the number one in a trillion something in order to like to yeah make- yeah one in what's it's it's one in something like 400 trillion chance Ooh. that we us in our unique being identity would land here on the planet right so that that catalyst we'll born to come in. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Not only that, I read something recently where this, there was the study that it wasn't the first sperm that got there. It's that the egg chooses the sperm once yeah. they arrive. And I was like, I never, ever heard that before. So I was like, it's even more special because yeah. now if you got there first, they're like, bitch, I don't care. Like, you know, <laughs> you have to be the one to get in here. Yeah. Right. So every aspect of that. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being on the show and just your energy in which you bring the message through. I felt like I could see and feel you channeling at some point as well. Um, she really does her work, guys, uh, to, to, to communicate to the collective this wonderful message. Um, so before we go, if there's anything that you'd like to tell if like for the collective, what is one thing that you really think they need to hear? Mm. <sighs> just one thing, right? <laughs> so many things. You are perfect just as you are. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't change consciously. You can't unfold and become more of yourself. But just as you are right now in this moment, you are perfect and you are worthy and you are deserving and you are loved more than you can possibly imagine beautiful beautiful i felt that i got chills (laughs) um tell everybody where they can find you okay so you can find me deanne hold on social media deanne is spelled d-i-a-h-a-n-n holder um you can also find me at urbanavatars.com I've got a lot of stuff going on, so check me out there. Um, thank you so much, Leah. It's been a real honor. Thank you. And so fun chatting with you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I'm so surprised I didn't adopt your accent because I do that quite often. I do the same thing. <laughs> I swear to God, I was like, oh my God, I really want to speak like her. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But I, I, I love that. There's, it's that empathic thing. Yeah. Uh, talk more about that after on the on what I call the shit show, which is our okay. after show um, that we'll do for our Patreon listeners, so they can get some behind the scenes um, when we talk. But thank you so much for being on the show, guys. Um, she has been a wonderful resource. Make sure to follow her on Instagram and check her out. Um, send her good vibes and book her stuff. <laughs> book her shit. Um, <laughs> If you aren't a Patreon supporter uh, right now, definitely there's already an ad that, that I don't need to rehash that, but go over to Patreon, become a member, get close to get curated and cultivated content. And we're so excited that you are still listening to the show. Thank you for all your support. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.